we have an amazing, protective, and loving shepherd, our God. Thank you, God, for that. Uh, you're welcome to uh, tonight um, to follow along in this lesson of finally, you know, finishing up demonology and demon possession, uh, this, this particular portion of this lesson. I thank you for your attentiveness and um, for this opportunity to present this to you. Welcome to all of our visitors and our guests. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Great God, we praise you. We love you. Thank you so very much. Thank you for this night, for allowing us to be here, to worship you, to learn from your word, to take seriously the things that you have delivered to us that we might understand and grow. We praise your holy divine name, Lord God, as we hallow it. You are sanctified and glorious and great. Thank you for Jesus, your great son, who died that we might live. Please help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we pray if it be thy will. Amen. Mark chapter 4 tonight. So here's something that's certainly true. To gain the world sometimes means that we have to forfeit our souls. You might even say it often means that. If I'm going to give up my soul for the world, what what an amazing thing. This is something that Satan knows. Satan knows that each of us have a price. He doesn't know what our price is. But there's a price that each of us may possibly sell our souls for. And I pray, God, that Satan will never find that price in me. Matthew chapter 4, he thought with Jesus he had found this opportunity. Again, the devil, verse 8, took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, all these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. A, such a simple message, but the deception of Satan is so strong that he has found a way to cause humans to worship someone or something other than God. And we're going to look at that tonight. But let's begin with Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10 Let's put it in perspective so that we don't, we don't allow Satan to deceive us. Put it all into perspective and understand what God has to say to us. We fight and labor every day for things, for material things. And sometimes, oftentimes, that's what gets us, right? The material things. You know, we want more. Uh, it's hard to find satisfaction and contentment. It's just the material things. And Satan knows that we wrestle with that in our hearts and in our minds. So Jesus wants us to understand in verse 28 and following, Peter began to say to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake or for the gospel's sake, but he shall receive a hundred times as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecutions and the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Jesus says, there's nothing you've left. There's nothing you've left that you won't receive back from the Lord. Matthew, please, chapter 16. Understand that we don't have to fight or bicker or strive tremendously to the point of serving up, losing our souls after material things. Right? 
They're here today. They're gone tomorrow. Money is here today. It's gone tomorrow. The Bible says it has wings like eagles and it flies away. Jesus says, don't put your trust in material things. Verse 24 of Matthew 16. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. For what will a man be profit if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he will recompense every man according to his deeds. So now, here's what happens. Satan comes along. Deuteronomy, please, chapter 32. And these omens come along. In this world of demonology, and they begin to put into our heads, into our minds, and as they did in the Old Testament days and the New Testament days, that there's someone greater, that there's something greater that will benefit you more than anything else on the earth, and it's a demon. What's interesting, though, is when you read the Bible, you'll find that the word demon doesn't only apply to demons, as you think of spirits, right? On someone, you know, the, the, the King James says ghost. It also applies to idolatry. And we know that idolatry exists today. So Satan has not changed his spots. He has not changed his ways of trickery. He just, he's just given it different names, right? A different picture. Let's take a look at the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 32. Let me show you the deception behind demonology. Verse 32 of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 32, verse 16, excuse me. They made him jealous with strange gods, with abominations. They provoked him, speaking of God, to anger. They sacrificed to demons who were not God, to gods whom they have not known, new gods who came lately, whom their fathers did not dread. What would cause a person, turn to Psalm 106, to sacrifice to a demon? One step further, what would cause an Israelite, a Jew, a child of God, to sacrifice to a demon? What would cause me today to sacrifice to a demon? Well, think about it. In the Old Testament days, when things weren't going their way, and God wasn't listening to their cry, what they do? They went to demons. They said, maybe some other God will hear our cry. Maybe there is another way. Maybe there is another God who will listen to us. Because it's all about me. And when you make life all about self, be careful because Satan and his demons are always there in the wings waiting. How deceptive is Satan? Listen to verse 36, Psalm 106. And served their idols, which became a snare to them, they even sacrificed their sons and daughters to the demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood, to sacrifice their own children. Verse 39, Thus they became unclean in their practices and played the harlot in their deeds. How did Satan deceive these people to sacrifice their sons and their daughters to demons, to idols? 
Oh, Satan is good, isn't he? Good at being evil and wicked and deceptive and tricky. You say, well, yeah, but preacher, you know, that idolatry stuff is in the Old Testament and we don't have to worry about that today. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The church of Corinth, they had some issues too. And then Paul's talking about, you know, them being carnal-minded and, and struggling. And he gives them a context in verse, verse 1 through about verse 11. He says, don't be like Israel. Israel did a lot of things wrong. Don't make the same mistakes that they made. And then he goes on and picks up in verse 14. And listen to what the Bible says to the church of Christ. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, you judge what I say. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Look at the nation of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices sharers in the altar? What do I mean then? That a thing sacrificed to idols is anything? Or... That an idol is anything? No. But I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I do not want you to become sharers in demons. Demonology? Demons? Idolatry? Very, very present in the New Testament times. Coming out of a world of evil. 1 John 5 and verse 21, there's the exaltation that comes to us that tells us, little children, he says, guard yourselves, guard your minds from idols. Watch out for idolatry. Satan is so good and so tricky at what he does. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians 4, that he's blinded the minds of people. And here's what's scary. What's scary is, speaking of minds, that our mind, we, you know, I, I don't know about you, I grew up and I really used to love magic. You know, David Copperfield, right? James, your grandmother might have told you about him. David Copperfield. You know, remember, I don't know if you remember or not, remember when he made the, the airplane or the train disappear? Right? Remember that? The Statue of Liberty, right? Right? And you looked at it and you go, whoa! And it really went away, didn't it? And then later on, uh, you know, as time went on, they eventually started saying things like, you know, really, it didn't disappear. It's still in the same place. But you, in your mind, made it go away, and they started explaining it to you, and it's like, okay, yeah, it's confusing. Or sleight of hand, right? They're standing right in front of you, and they make something disappear, and then something appear, and, and we go, well, how do he do that? You see, that's the scary part of the human mind. That's the power of the human mind. And Satan says, I'm going to take a little bit of that power that you possess, each one of us, in our minds. I'm going to use it, and I'm going to trick you into believing something that is false. Demonology and idolatry is scary. You've got to stay away from it. Verse 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God. And so now take this idea of demonology and realize that Satan has even come into, infiltrated the teaching of the gospel where people minds are blinded from the truth. When you look at the Word of God and you can see it, but there's this thing called brainwashed. You can read something to someone and you can read it and it says, here it says, do not cross the street. And then they'll say, well, I don't believe that. And you, okay, but 
let's read, read a few verses before and a few verses after, and they go, well, it doesn't really mean don't, do not cross the street. What he meant was, it's like, but it says do not cross. You know, people just, they get brainwashed in believing, you know, baptism is not essential to salvation. Well, how are you saved? Well, you know, you just do this and do that, and you go, but the, but it's, but it says right here, I know, but that's not what it means. <laughs> right? That's how good Satan is. He doesn't want anyone to be saved. Scary, isn't it? Okay, let's think about this for a moment. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8. So demons work in, in many ways. There's, you know, today, um, you know, the, the occult, right? Or occultism. There's still folks communi- trying to communicate with, uh, with the dead. If you ever do uh, look at, Yes, maybe, maybe you all not. But if you ever, if you ever, if you have this knowledge, let me just give you this information. Um, people that supposedly speak to the dead. So there's a, a magic number, and the number is 300. And the number is, they ask 300 questions, of which they get probably 90% of those answers incorrect. But because it's so leading and so deceptive, it's just the 10 that they get correct that allows them somehow to deceive your mind in believing that you are really communicating with the dead person. Hmm. Kind of scary. It's it's deceitfulness in the mind. Astrology. Okay, watch this. Every, I don't know if it's every day or or every week, and excuse my ignorance, but aren't the horoscopes in the newspaper? If it didn't work, it wouldn't be in there. People live their lives based on the horoscope, right? Think about that for just a moment. Soothsayers and uh, prognosticators and wizards and sorcerers and witchcraft and witches that are still still to this day in America. So I know we've done, Satan's also done this to us. He's made us think, you know, those people are over there. Right? You know, there's none of that in here in America where we live. We're, in a, we're civilized. We're this, we're that. Don't you believe that? right here in our midst, the medians and, and divination and omens and all these kinds of things. It's right here in our midst. Deuteronomy chapter 18. God says, stay away because it is very deceitful. It runs right along line, the line of magic arts. It's trickery. Okay? Verse 9. This is what God says. When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of which the nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his sons or his daughters pass through the fire, or one who uses divination, or one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who casts a spell, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord, and because of these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. God said, this is simple. Don't even do it. But yet, they did it. Right? Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 19. Why would, why would they do it when, when God has given them everything, right? He brought them across the Red Sea. He taught them everything. He's protected them and watched over them. Why would they give in to this evil? Because Satan is very good at being evil and tricking the minds of men. That's why it's important to read your Bibles every single day, right? Every day there's a teaching that's going into the mind. 
It's either God teaching you something or Satan, but every day something's going in. Make sure you let God's word in, right? Listen to what it says. Leviticus 19 and verse 26. You shall not eat anything with the blood, nor practice divination or soothsaying. You shall not round off the sides, uh, side growth of your heads, nor harm the edges of your beard. You shall not make any cuts in your body for the dead, nor make any tattoo marks on yourself. I am the Lord. Verse 31. Uh, do not turn to mediums or spiritists. Do not seek them out to, def- to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Oh, I know. That's in the Old Testament preacher. Okay. Leviticus 20, verse 6. One more time. As for the person who turns to mediums or to spiritists to play the harlot after them, I will also set my face against that person and will cut him off from among his people. All right. So, idolatry. Old Testament. Witchcraft, omens, all this bad stuff is in the Old Testament. It does not exist today. We've escaped that one. Thank you. Wait. Actually, it does. Galatians chapter 5, please. It's kind of one of those thoughts that we just kind of run over. You don't want to think about any of what's been said. You don't want to go back and, and start researching what, you know, what did God, why did God, why did God condemn tattoos? What was going on back? What, what's, we don't want to talk about any of that stuff, right? Why did God condemn this? Why is, why is this stuff bad? Idolatry. Astrology. Horoscopes. Mediums. Wizards. Why is it all bad? Sorcery. Why is it bad? Well, let's see if it's even bad in the New Testament. Galatians 5, verse 19. And the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality. Is it in your Bible? Idolatry. Sorcery. Yeah, it's in your Bible. It's in the New Testament. God is trying to tell us that this has not gone away. It's a deed of the flesh. Look at Revelation chapter 20. Last book in the Bible. Here God speaks to us again about the very same topic and the very same subject matter. And he tells us about this thing uh, that has not gone away. Revelation 21. 21 verse 8. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and... Sorcerers and idolaters. All to have their plague in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Brethren, even to this day, even to this day, it is still alive and real and in front of us. The question is, we're going to go to Isaiah 46. The question is, do you really want to know? Do you really want to know of the idolatry that is alive and real and right in front of us. And it's so obvious that we're blinded by it. Do you really want to know? I don't know if you really want to know. I didn't really want to know. But then when you start studying this, you start realizing, wait a minute, Satan is good at being evil, even to this day. 
And unfortunately, we see it on a regular basis, even in our midst, we see it. But the question is, do you really want to know? So this is what God said. I'm not going to tell you. If you want to know, come to me privately, I'll tell you. How about that? Isaiah 46, verse 8. Remember this and be assured. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, things which have not been done, saying my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. God says, I'm the only God. There is no one else who can save you. Why are you trusting in this stuff? Why are you allow, why are you allowing? Why are we allowing these things to bring this pleasure into our lives? And it's really not true pleasure. There's a difference between joy and happiness. You know that, right? It's a huge difference between the two. God says, "I am it, and there is no other." How many of us truly believe that? And how many of us can truly rest our souls on that? Isaiah forty-five, verse five. I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I will gird you, though you have not known me. Verse 21. Declare and set forth your case. Indeed, let them consult together. Who has announced this from old? Who has long since declared it? Is it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none except me. How many of us believe that? So when the when the prophets came, here is Messi, the Messianic prophet Isaiah, when they came along and they tried to tell people to walk away from your idolatry and then the prophet would name the idol, the idolatrous thing in their hearts, in their minds, what did they do to the prophets? What did Jesus say? Y'all killed the prophets. Right? You know, you stole the prophets, beginning with, with righteous uh, um, uh, Abel uh, until Zechariah. You just keep killing all the prophets who come along and try to tell you something that's important to help save your soul. Idolatry is powerful. Isaiah 47, verse 12. Stand fast now in your spells and in your many sorceries with which you have labored from your youth. Perhaps you will be able to profit. Perhaps you may cause trembling. You will are wearied with your many counsels. Let them, let, excuse me, now the astrologers, those who prophesy by the stars, those who predict by the new moons, stand up and save you from what will come upon you. Behold, they have become like stubble. Fire burns them. They cannot deliver themselves from the power of the flame. There will be no, no coal to warm by, nor a fire to sit by. So have those become to you with whom you have labored, who have trafficked you or with you from your youth. Each has wandered in his own way. There is none to save you. So is it, is it true that maybe some of those things that I've done or that I am practicing or, or have done in the past, is it true that those things, I would never have called them idolatry, it is idolatry. Let me give you some examples. Let me, I'll use me and myself as an example. All right, so I grew up non, non-religious home, okay? Um, 
You know, we believed in God, but it was that kind of belief, right? But we had these superstitions that were kind of strange. <laughs> Very superstitious home. You know, you know, we would do things like if you cut your hair, if you don't burn it, then you're going to be cursed. So whenever we cut our hair, we always set it on fire and burned it up. Horrible smell too, by the way. Never understood why. Couldn't figure it out. And then, then you know the old, you know, the black back, uh, was a black cat that crosses, right? Everyone knows that, right? And we believe that though, <laughs> right? And then I started growing, I grew up and I started asking questions like, so out of curiosity, what if a black cat crossed, but we didn't see it, and then we ran, you know, then are we still cursed? And then they were like, well, I, you know, just stop asking questions. <laughs> This doesn't make any sense to me, right? Um, you know, you're walking down the street with your friends, and there's a pole, <laughs> and you can't split the pole. That's right. Don't split the pole, because if you split the pole, you got seven years of bad luck. I was like, well, does that really make any sense? You know, the funny thing about it, though, is you believe it so much that when you're walking down the street and you saw the pole, you all went on the same side of the pole. It controlled my life, Right? You ever broken a mirror? Can't do that. Seven years of bad luck. So you, and you say, well, what about when they didn't have mirrors? <laughs> right? And when the first mirror came along and they were trying to put it together and discover it and they broke it, but they eventually made the mirror. But did they have bad luck? You know, there are all these, these things that are superstitious, right? The superstition that comes in. And so, I mean, I, you know, I could talk about this for a very long time because there are so many things in there that maybe we don't talk about every single day. But that was something that governed our lives. Right? And how tricky it is. And you know, I never, ever can say that there was bad luck that ever happened to me because I split the pole or didn't burn the hair, etc., etc. But here's the problem. The problem is when you believe in that kind of stuff, you attribute every bad thing to splitting the pole six years ago or the black cat or whatever it might be. You see what happens? That's the trickery of the mind. That's how Satan works. Unfortunately, there's still a lot more of that in our world today. James chapter 4. Here's what God wants us to understand, uh, which is very critical and very important in our lives and in our Christian walk with God. James 4 and verse 7. Satan will never overpower us. Okay? That's really critical and it's very important in our lives. If you submit to God and you resist the devil, this is a command from God. He will flee. He has to leave you alone. You know what we don't say any longer? Get behind me, Satan. Get away from me, Satan. I want nothing to do with my evil mind. Right? You got to talk to yourself. Tell yourself, I am not going to do this evil thing. Because it's wrong. Get behind me, self, evil, wickedness. I want no part in it. Right? Ephesians 6. Jesus told Satan, get behind me. Jesus told Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Anything that goes contrary to the will of God. So there's this word, um, it's excessive veneration. Excessive veneration is a key word, foundation word for idolatry. You can go back and look at that idea of what veneration uh, is. It's something that you just can't stop doing and you won't stop. It's something that replaces God, etc. There's a lot of excessive veneration today. Things that replace God, right? Things that replace God. Now, and, I'm, you know, we could... 
I know we could go through a list, but I mean some serious things that replace the living God. Is idolatry true today? Yeah, it is. But look, Satan works the same way, okay? We, the Scripture says we are not unaware of his schemes. So when you go back into the Old Testament and you, do, you take an in-depth look, and how Satan has worked. And I've, I've done that. I've tried to put lessons together, which I have some, that will help to understand some of the trickery that Satan uses. Some things that Satan does, and he still does it today. He just gives it a different face and a different name, but it's the same stuff. Okay? And it's so important and it's so powerful. We are not unaware of his schemes, but he's still working. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Look, part of this is what? Common sense. Common sense will teach you a lot. It's taught me a lot, right? Common sense says if if they all jump off the bridge and they get hurt, I probably should not jump off that bridge. But the power of peer pressure makes the next team say, well, I think I can make it. (laughs) For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. There is still all this stuff that exists in our world. Because Satan is very real. One of the things that Satan has learned to do is to deceive us into believing. This is a great trick. And it works in so many people's lives today. It's all God's fault. It's all God's fault. It's all God's fault. Everything bad you can think of in your life is God's fault. It's, I mean, this has happened from the very beginning, you know, with Adam and Eve. You know the story, right? Adam and Eve and the whole idea of Satan. You know, God comes to, uh, you know, Adam. and looks to him and says, Adam, where are you now? Adam, what'd you do? Adam says, well, well, here's what happened, Lord. You made a woman. I didn't even ask for her. You made her. And then she took from that tree. She ate, and then she gave it to me. And, if you know, if you hadn't made her, I would have never eaten. Now, she's stuck. No, 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 no. It's true, God, you made me. You're right. <laughs> and I didn't give it to him. But I would have never given it to him had you not made the craftiest beast. The, you made the craftiest beast of the field. And he tricked me. And then I ate. And Satan just had no one to, believe, to blame it on. It's all God's fault. You know, yesterday was such a horrible day. I don't know where God was in my day. See what Satan has done to us? Right? I don't know if God's hearing my prayers. You know, I'm praying to God and I'm praying to God. I don't think God even cares. Christians have said this. I don't think God cares for me anymore. Someone called me up one day and said, you know, preacher, I'm really struggling. I'm struggling with my life and I'm, and I'm trying to do the best I can. But, you know, I'm telling you, God is withholding blessings from me and God is not blessing me like he used to. And I, you know, God, I don't know what God is doing. It's all God's fault. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that God brings every good and perfect gift into your life. And Satan brings all the evil. It's one of the hardest things for Christians to understand. But, brother, it is so real and so true. So Satan is very good at what he does. So this is what the final admonition uh, in the Bible. We go back to 1 John 5 and verse 21. Because you got to put this. you got to ingrain this. you got to believe this in your heart. Guard yourself. Little ch- it's the New Testament church he's writing to. 
Why would he write to the New Testament church and tell the New Testament church to guard yourselves from idols if they no longer exist? So this world of demonology, the trickery of Satan, the deceitfulness of sin is very real today. And here's one thing we can do to stand against it. Know the Word of God. Study. Right? Don't give in to this trick that Satan gives to us. You know, you've been at work all day and you're tired. <laughs> you're too tired. You're too tired to read even even a, a verse of the Bible today. I'm just too tired. I'm just, I've had a long day. And you know what? And God understands. <laughs> no, He doesn't. That is nowhere in the scriptures where God understands. In the sense of that God says that. Today is a day you can have a break. Don't worry about it. Don't read a verse. Just a verse of my word. I have nothing to say to you today. God always has something to say to us. If you just read one verse, but you've got to read something every single day. Never allow a day to go by where you do not let God talk to you. Or that you do not talk to God. Or you do not talk to someone else about God. Never let a day go by, ever. Pick the Bible up, and if all you can read is one verse, God bless you, read that verse. But if you can read a chapter, read a chapter. But whatever you do, never allow a day to go by without reading the Word of God. That is the only thing that saved Jesus, as far as the Scriptures give us. He quoted Scripture, and he knew the Scripture, and Satan quoted Scriptures, so you've got to know your books because Satan's going to come with the book and say, you know, God understands. God understands. It's okay that you, you know, you ran that guy off the road because he was, yeah, it's okay to do that in anger. He deserved it. I, I, don't, I don't read that in the scriptures. Right? Be careful. Guard yourself from idols. Watch out for Satanism and wickedness uh, that will try to infiltrate your mind. Tonight, if you're not a child of God, we encourage you to become one, to surrender to God in the waters of baptism, to give your life to God. You've heard His word. You believed it. You're willing to repent. Make a confession. You believe Jesus is Lord, the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you're a child of God and you're struggling in your faith, you just need prayers, make it known. Whatever it is that we can do for you, please make it known. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you come?